0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Friday, February 16th, 2024 edition of On Iowa Politics. On this week's episode, it was Funnel Week at the Iowa Legislature and frankly, I don't have the mental bandwidth to think about anything else, so that's all we're going to talk about this week. Hello everyone, I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello Tom. Hello Aaron.
1: Hello Aaron.
0: We have Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times back with us. Hello, Sarah.
2: Hawks by a million, Aaron.
0: <laughs> that game was fantastic, by the way. Uh, the Caitlin oh. game. Oh, my gosh. Wasn't that amazing? So good. Uh, so good. Jared, Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal with us. The uh,
3: Still beaming with the post-Super Bowl glow. Hello, Jared. All of my uh, love and support to Kansas City today and every day, Aaron. Oh,
0: man amen to that amen to that and the gazette columnist todd dorman is here hello
4: todd hello and all of my columns are a logo three and one (laughs) of these days i'm gonna hit the rim (laughs) i like i like how you differentiate between it's a logo three i'm not saying it went in i'm just saying it was was attempted from the logo oh yeah (laughs) i make a lot of attempts i'm i'm Mulkey can talk about me making 40 attempts a game. That's, Todd's that's what me. we call
0: a high-volume shooter. Oh, yeah. We, we, no, no guarantees about the percentage, but but the <laughs> shots go up. <laughs> All right. Mm. Let's get into funnel week here, folks. For the uninitiated, which I imagine for a political podcast listener is very few, but to, for those of you who are out there who are unfamiliar, uh, the funnels are deadlines established uh, during the legislative session to ensure that lawmakers – are prioritizing legislation that they truly want to get approved during a session. So, with some exceptions, bills must have earned a prescribed level of support before these funnel deadlines in order for them to remain eligible for consideration as the session moves on. So, this week was the first such deadline. Most non budget bills had to be passed out of at least a committee in order to remain quote unquote alive. And now and is the point where I remind you that no bill is ever truly and totally dead at the legislature until a session is completely over because leaders have any number of legislative tools and tricks at their disposal to resurrect a bill should they so choose. But for, largely speaking, if they didn't make it to this certain point, they're no longer eligible and we move on to the bills that are. Okay, now that we've had that funnel week refresher, let's get down to business. And I'd like to start with one of our patented and wildly popular around-the-horn sessions here on the On Iowa Politics Podcast. I'm going to give some grace here to the folks who don't eat, drink, and sleep this legislative stuff every day like some of the rest of us, and and let them start first. So Sarah, kick us off this week as you have followed the legislative session afar, from afar, what has stood out to you? Are, Are there any surprises as far as what lived or died, any bill you're particularly interested in? monitoring as we move forward. What are your first funnel thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think what stood out to me, you know, from following it from afar, all of your guys' great coverage and coverage from uh, across the state, various outlets was really how much, how many Iowans came out for specifically Legislation relating to transgender and LGBTQ Iowans, and kind of the difference in reactions to some of that activism. So, for example, the the taking gender identity out of the civil rights code did not advance, but then Governor Reynolds' proposal defining a man and a woman did advance. And I, it's my understanding that there's no longer the requirement to put the put it on the driver's That's license that correct that a person is transgender. So. So I guess there is, you know, at least some, the activism did at least make some movement on that bill. So that will definitely be something I think to watch. And then just the other thing in general, I think last session we really watched Reynolds just kind of throw her legislative agenda to, from the logo three, and it just went in and in and in and in and and like (laughs) no problems. And I think this session she is really facing a lot more, stickiness. A lot of her bills are not going through as she's proposing them. There's a lot of pushback, especially on the AEAs and and obviously the the bill on putting the transgender identity on driver's licenses that, you know, that part was taken out. And so it just seems like she is not, she doesn't have quite that same push through the legislature as she did last year. And that's obviously just for me as an outside perspective, not covering it day to day. Maybe you guys see it differently. But,
0: no no not, then, sorry go ahead yeah. I was just gonna say no that that is very true and and I won't there are other examples which I won't say here because maybe someone else was gonna bring those up but but, but you are absolutely right Sarah and, and there are even other examples of that
2: yeah I could go on there is a bill introduced by Gary Moore about increasing fines for for open records and meetings violators I think that's something locally people are following a lot of and then the elections bill and I think people will really be following that, you know, are they going to still require, is it going to stay in there to require ballots arrive at the auditor's office a day before the election? You know, in the Quad Cities, there's some changes being proposed to a mail facility in Milan where a lot of mail gets turned around. So, and potentially our mail would have to, that's sent locally, would have to be routed through the Des Moines facility. And so that would just be, you know, an extra deadline that, that people would have to meet if they're sending in ballots and of course, traffic cameras, but we talked about that before too. So.
3: Absolutely. All
0: right, Jared, you're up next. Give us your first funnel impressions.
3: Well, I actually had a quick question for Sarah. Didn't you have a story, Sarah, that's involves the legislature and Davenport and uh, strip clubs and uh, and suing them?
2: Yes. So this is a (laughs) follow-up bill to one that my colleague Tom Barton covered where the City Davenport was having some troubles with bars and trying to hold them accountable for public what they saw as a public safety nuisance and so if there was if they if they thought that the bar was not doing enough to to prevent gun violence and people from violence from happening they could go to court and and ask for a temporary injunction for the bar to impose temporary hours or or close or like early or um other measures that that deemed to be needed. And so apparently strip clubs did not fall into that because they do not serve alcohol. And so this is them introducing another bill to close that loophole because in 2021, I believe there was there were a couple of there were some non-fatal shootings and one fatal shooting outside of a strip club in Davenport that has now closed and reopened under a different name in the same location but uh so that's yeah that's that's a bill that davenport has been leading the charge on and i'm not sure if that passed out of committee i would have to check on that
0: oh i don't know that off the top of my head either we'll we'll have to check on that and either get back to you listeners uh later in the podcast maybe
3: good i uh, I, I just wanted to to shoe that shoehorn that in because we need some uh prurient uh subject matter to, to kind of fit in you know I think one of my surprises is maybe um, just how many education-related bills we've already seen this session, and that surprise is really just born out of the fact that we saw such a flurry early on last session that I wasn't sure how many we'd be seeing this time out, and it's it's not really just the amount that's surprising, but also like the variety of them. You know, there's the again the legislation to arm school staff, which has run into trouble in our neck of the woods in uh, Spirit Lake uh, because of insurance company concerns. There's the legislation that would restrict DEI initiatives at the college level, right, that uh, I know Vanessa Miller has talked about for you guys. There's the AEA overhaul legislation, which we've talked about quite a bit. And you know, then I, I was kind of wondering with that and going off of what Sarah was saying, do you think the nature of some of this pushback, maybe this year to Reynolds, is just the the subject matter of the bills, or if there's just a change a little bit, maybe, or w- what the nature of of some of that is? Because I, I that was one of mine too, and Sarah kind of stole that. I'm sorry, say that again. Say that again, Jared. I, I I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I got I'll... I got multitask distracted here.
3: No, no, no. It's good. It's a it's a <laughs> byproduct of the the job. Sarah kind of stole mine too of the the some of the pushback that Reynolds has had a little bit this session do yeah. you think that's just the nature of some of these bills like the Aea thing or what that yeah that that's a really that's a
0: really good question because the other elephant in in the room politically speaking is you know the question that folks had after the Republican presidential primary and the caucuses here and you know the kind of the divide that there was among support for the different candidates and the the Trump endorsers versus the DeSantis endorsers, and obviously Governor Reynolds was very much the latter, endorsed and and literally campaigned all around the state with Governor DeSantis. And and would that have a a, a carryover impact into the to the session as far as getting her priorities done and working with legislators? And then you know, does she have you know that sort of air of authority over other other state house over state house Republicans like she has in the past. I think that's a really good question, Jared. And I don't know that I have a complete answer to that. I, I think it, I, we, we have talked about before with the AEA things that is sort of unique in that there's not like a specific constituency that had asked for that. There's not a, a movement in the conservative, you know, politics for that. Like there was school choice that there, there's not the, Certainly not to the degree that there was on school choice. There's not the um, you know, national advocacy nonprofit organizations that are beating the AEA drum like they were school choice. So I think that's a, certainly a part of it that there's not, you know, the, the heels aren't as dug in on AEAs across the Republican spectrum as they were on on school choice. So I think that's part of it. But the, it, it is a bunch of them, and and, and it it's interesting, and and uh, I think it's fair to wonder, and I and I don't have a great answer. I, I do think it's a really interesting question, though.
1: I think part of it also does have to do with the the subject matter, which Aaron I guess alluded to. You know, this isn't about school choice. You know, this isn't about trying to restrict what. Some parents in in religious groups and conservative lawmakers see as indoctrination in in schools, you know, this isn't that, this isn't about, you know, sexual identity, gender identity, um, those, you know, kind of culture war issues, hot button issues, this is something that has to deal with you know, largely providing special education services and providing special or providing educational support and training to students and teachers all across Iowa. And so because of that subject matter, you know, it's it's given a lot of people pause because it has, you know, far-reaching, wide-ranging implications for literally every corner in part of the state. You know, it it impacts every school district, urban, rural, suburban, etc. And also what I heard from lawmakers was that, you know, maybe the governor in this case overestimated her political clout and didn't bring lawmakers into the discussion, into the fold. This was something that caught them by surprise. They knew that she was looking at doing something with the the AEAs, which they were open to, but didn't have a lot of the details and didn't realize just how wide ranging or far reaching that proposal was was gonna be and what the pushback and the reception was gonna be particularly from parents and rural school advocates and superintendents and and AEAs. And so that's why you're seeing, I think, a lot of resistance to that and why you're seeing particularly House Republicans moving ahead with their own version of how to address the whole AEA issue um, and also separating that out from the governor's teacher pay proposal and making some tweaks to that. That was another thing that also... Um, gave lawmakers a lot of heartburn is you had those two proposals rolled together, combined into one bill and saying, you know, look, completely with you behind you on the teacher pay raise, you know, that's long been a priority and something that we've we've wanted to do and can get behind. You know, again, let's separate that out and move that separately while we still have more discussions about how we tackle this this issue with area
3: education agencies. So if we're, uh, we're sticking with uh, basketball lingo, those have been uh, some heat check moments for uh, for Reynolds.
0: Love it. Love it. Yeah. Heat check. Yep. Yep. Um, one,
3: one other thing I was surprised by too was to see legislation placing uh, restrictions on uh, porn sites and uh, social media access because some of that came up last year too and just didn't seem to go anywhere. So it's surprising to see that come back. And then, also, it's hard to know what the impact of that legislation would even be because those restrictions would still be pretty easy for people to get around. Since time immemorial, teens have found ways to get around things to get access to stuff they're probably not supposed to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't. I don't think that those bills in in that package of legislation is is all that surprising. I think that. It didn't get a lot of movement last session because I think a lot of lawmakers were waiting to see how other states tackled this and how courts responded in in you know the legal arguments and challenges to it. I think they were looking again for a little bit more guidance and leadership as to how other states were addressing this so they can get kind of a better idea in a sense as to what the right approach m- might be so that they're not, or, or so that it, it, you know, is not running afoul of the First Amendment and running into a lot of legal issues and challenges and creating something that just ultimately in the end it is going to get struck down by the courts and won't be enforceable. And also we have to keep in mind, it's an election year, right? I think Lawmakers are probably, you know, looking for something where they can, you know, go back to their constituents, you know, when they, when the session is out and and they're running and campaigning to say, you know, look at the, what more legislation we've done to try and, you know, protect children online, you know, protect their 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 innocence, protect their mental health and 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 well being, et cetera, and in and, and try and come up with something that you know, is going to have a lot of bipartisan support, right? I mean, I think everybody can agree for the most part that we want to protect children's mental health, their well-being. You know, people recognize that social media has a problem um, and can have negative impacts on that. It's just all a question of how do you go about that and what's the right approach? Okay, Todd,
0: how about you? What's on your mind as we hit the first benchmark of the 2024 session?
4: Yeah, nothing. All nothing right, way. moving on. To, uh, uh, <laughs> oh wait, oh sorry. Yeah, I. The AEA bill is a is really, I think, an indictment of the method that the governor tends to use to craft legislation. She, you know, there may have been some school administrators here and there that complained about AEA's, probably from larger districts. She had Guidehouse, which was the consultant she used to you know, reorganized state government ready to cherry pick some data to under, or to underscore what she wanted to do. And then she came out and sounded the alarm in her speech about, you know, we've got this failing system and kids are being left behind. But you know, she didn't do the legwork. She didn't go out during the summer and fall last year and meet with teachers and special education educators and school administrators and parents, and all of the people that are could be affected by these drastic changes, and so she had no, she had you know had no, had put, had basically created no ground work to launch this initiative. She just came in and and her consultant said it was the best thing to do, and and so she just launched this massive bill. And I don't know that if she expected it was gonna it was gonna pass. I think she probably did, which as has been said she underestimated you know for the main thing she underestimated is how ticked off parents are going to be if they've you know created this sort of educational program for a special needs child after probably lots of starts and stops and failures and successes and to have someone you know stand up and say well we're going to we're going to rip that out and you're going to maybe have to find a private provider or you know, maybe their school will provide it. We don't we don't really know. We're just gonna do this. And so that that was that was a big red flag. And, you know, this sort of authoritarian bet that the governor has on on you know inflicting her will on the legislature is is uh, in this case did not work out. But you know all of this government reorganization has been aimed at Giving the executive branch, the governor in particular, more power. This AEA bill would have basically taken AEA governance and put it under the Department of Education director, who serves at the pleasure of the governor. We've got a bill that's going to codify pot- potentially the whole regulatory process, regulatory administrative rules process, where a, a person that You know, the administrative rules coordinator that serves at the pleasure of the governor is going to, you know, has to pre-clear all of the administrative rules that carry out laws. So this is one defeat for her. And, you know, it's it's, it's not over. I suppose the Senate might decide to do things more her way, and then we'll be at an impasse until, you know, the June primary (laughs) (laughs) or or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> don't you say that, Todd Dorman. And I I don't know if she this is something she's gonna primary people over. Uh I suppose it's possible, but I don't know. I, I think there's too little support for the change that she's advocating to I think for lawmakers to worry much about that, at least at least a large number of lawmakers.
0: Yeah, that the whole thing has just been fascinating to watch unfold and, and- Look, I'm not personally. I'm not projecting what anybody thought or believed or expected. They may have. They may have not. have, but it certainly looked when that bill was dropped that the that the governor and the administration expected that to, to move and move fairly quickly. Remember, we saw that the the guidance went out from the education department that uh, had had deadlines in it as if the thing was already law. You know, and and they said, look, we went. We didn't make any assumptions. We just wanted school districts to be prepared but you know that and that may be true but that you know that's still pretty unusual practice for guidance to be put out uh, by a state agency on a bill that's not even passed out of a subcommittee yet on that point i don't even know if it had been pa- scheduled for a subcommittee at that point so it, it, we go from that to not only has it not moved and advanced and been passed quickly it's been significantly altered um uh, as it's come out of the respective chambers.
4: Yeah. Well, the House has ba- basically yeah taken out the main reason that the governor wanted the bill. And, you know you're I think talking about the funding mechanism, but funding mechanism the, yeah. for AEAs. Yeah. It keeps
0: the money going straight to the AEA yep. still.
4: The House does. Yep. And I think, you know, her success with school choice is probably part of this because lawmakers, you know, already went. To their school districts last year and said, "Look, I, there's, I can't vote against this. I got to do it. I know you don't like it, so this is what we're going to do." Now they come back the next year and their school districts are saying, "Don't do this." It's hard to just basically say, "Yeah, I'm sorry. We're just we're we're going to screw you over again this this year." Apologies. Uh, I, I won't forget you at Christmas. <laughs> I mean, you know. So I think I think uh, yeah. It, Public schools are still important in a lot of communities, many communities, most communities, and the legislators recognize that. And this looked like something that was going to undermine their ability to educate, and and they just, you know, most lawmakers just weren't willing to to go back to that to that well and ask for forgiveness again.
0: Yep. All right. Something. Oh, um, sorry, Jay. Go, go ahead.
3: Something. Yeah, something um Sarah mentioned up top, and maybe Todd can start with this, or you guys. H- have you all been surprised at all at just how many uh like everyday folks have kind of showed up and uh been pushing back against some of this legislation? Or do you think it's pretty in line with like the past couple sessions? I so
0: I would say I think that's a, a good observation, and I'm glad you brought that back up because I thought that when Sarah said it too. And uh it does feel like Look, there are always moments in a session where you get the big crowds and the big days, but it does feel like there's been a little bit more of that this year. I mean, even the library bill brought the librarians out of the woodwork from all over the state and and was pretty remarkable how many of them came to those subcommittee hearings. And again, not just from Des Moines and, and Polk County, from, from all over the state. So I do feel like there's been, and, and I and I wonder if that's also in sort of relation to I just feel like there's been more of everything this session. I feel like this session has been remarkably packed and busy, and every day has had really significant legislation moving in some form or another. And and look, the the session is always busy. There's always a lot going on. I've been doing this for a dozen years now. That's always the case, but it does feel like it's a X percent even crazier, uh, busier meaning uh, up there. Uh, and and so maybe that's a, you know just just out of the sheer increase in volume there's more chances that there's something in there that that really riles up a, a segment of the population but so for whatever the reason i do agree with that um assessment that the that the capital rotunda has been a, a little busier and a little louder even than normal this year would you agree with that tom
1: I would, yeah, and I've I've heard um, similar from lawmakers saying that um, this session they can't think of a a recent comparison in in terms of just the volume of of bills running through subcommittees and just the number of subcommittees that that they've had and and saying that it it, it definitely was was elevated this session.
4: Yeah, well, the librarians were quiet. I hope at least. <laughs> I tell you what. I will say this
0: quiet and efficient. I have never seen a better group of subcommittee hearing speakers than the librarian. Like there was a lot of them, but they still got that baby done. They made their points uh, effectively and efficiently. And that, that thing still got done within a half hour, if not sooner. I remember remarking that as we walked out of there, that if if, if they could all uh, be in opposition to these bills in, in that efficient a uh, manner, my job would be a lot easier. <laughs>
3: You, you know, you know, what would be great is if, like, they like compiled any information on any of the legislators to see if they had any, you know, overdue books or uh, books that were <laughs> out longer than they should have been. And, you know, so they could have had that at the ready if they needed to. Or,
0: or leak it to the presses as, as they say.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, you might want to check this out about this guy. He's been sitting on. Uh, to kill a mockingbird for four months here now.
2: Um I saw somebody's newsletter, I think it was Chuck Chuck um Eisenhart. Offenberger. Oh, Chuck Offenberger, yeah. Offenberger, yes, okay. Um he he wrote about a legislative forum with his two legislators who were proponents of the library bill and they didn't have library cards. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
4: That's uh of- uh representative, you've had You've had gender queer out now for six months. You need to really bring that back. Oh, that would be amazing.
0: Uh, all <laughs> right,
4: just trying to keep it off because <laughs> I <they> don't <laughs> yeah, want yeah, to yeah, show. Yeah, That's go. a tactic, yeah. but yeah. Uh,
0: all <laughs> right, Tom. Uh, I don't know how much is left here, uh, but give it a shot. Anything left that we haven't covered that uh, stood out to you from the the pre funnel session
1: of the session. Oh man, jeez, I, I think everybody has pretty much covered it. I, I guess just another thing to add to the conversation about the pushback and resistance this year to the governor's policy agenda, specifically her her education, policy proposals. In addition to reservations with her AEA proposal, we've also seen reservations from some Republican lawmakers to her early literacy bill, which did pass out of committee but was amended to take out the provision that students would have to take a reading assessment test in order to graduate with an educational degree and and be required for teacher licensing with Republican lawmakers saying, like, didn't we just remove a testing requirement for teacher licensure like two or three years ago? You know, they, they got rid of the Praxis exam. Um, for teacher licensure in Iowa, which Reynolds signed into law. Um, and so they're questioning, so then why would we require this anyway, um, especially at a time when we're having difficulty you know, recruiting teachers and we've got a shortage of teachers in the state. This is just going to present a barrier to getting educators in the classroom who may do well in the classroom, but just test Poorly. So anyway, I thought I thought that was interesting. Um, again, it, it it did advance, but um, it, it did get amended, and there were reservations with it, which I, I I found interesting.
0: Yeah, and one more just to to round out this kind of general umbrella of a topic is the boards and commissions bill as well that the governor introduced it is moving advancing, but in some forms is wildly. Different and much stripped down from what she originally proposed. Especially, I believe it's the house bill that's that's uh, uh, they have one. It, it it addresses the topic, but it it goes nowhere near as far as the governors did. So it's it's just kind of an interesting. I think that is a good observation by Sarah to get it started, and for us all to talk about in these various forms. I, I think that is a one big overarching theme of the session so far is the governor's priorities, and a lot of them they're moving, and and she's gonna probably in most cases be able to put her signature on something when it's all said and done. But, but a lot of it's not going to look anything like it did when she put out her bills. So it, it, so it's just interesting. The only uh, one <laughs> that I'll just uh, close us down with because God bless, we got to talk about it every session. And it is interesting. This session is traffic cameras and Senator Zahn and his uh, uh, continued quest to get those babies banned. And 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 just kind of the fascinating again as an observer, I say fascinating because I'm not in there's people who are invested in this issue who are not happy about this approach, as Tom saw firsthand when he covered a subcommittee meeting. But again, just from my observer's perspective, Senator Zahn's fascinating approach of combining that bill, his bill to ban traffic cameras, with another bill that similarly has had a certain level of support but hasn't quite got across the finish line. And that's one that would require drivers to only use hands-free technology when using their phones. It would essentially ban handheld use of phones while driving. And so Senator Zahn's unique approach this session has been to put those two things into the same bill in the hopes that that would coalesce enough votes to finally get them both advanced. It's an interesting strategy. It still could work. It, it, It passed the Senate, so it made it through the funnel. But just barely, on a very narrow vote, and like I said, in the process did not exactly win over some people on the advocacy side, that the folks who want the hands-free bill done were really upset that this got tied to the traffic camera ban. They they would rather see their bill moved separately. So that really was an quickly strategy. Sorry, go ahead. Seth. Oh,
2: sorry. Really quickly, I just wanted to follow up on what we talked about the strip clubs bill. It did pass a committee. Um, There you go. It
0: is alive. Mm -hmm. I will remember that. Uh, Make sure that's on my didn't didn't pass list, Sarah, when you see that move later today. Make sure I didn't forget that one. All right. We are now officially funnel proof here on the On Iowa Politics podcast. We have passed subcommittee and committee level discussion anyway. So we are eligible to keep coming back for the rest of the session. We'll be here next week to do just that. So thanks again to everyone. Here, thank you all for listening. If you're not already, please subscribe to us on your streaming service of choice. And you can also find the podcast each week on your preferred Gazette or lead newspaper website. And now that you've listened to the On Io Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Io Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mesa City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily non Corral, and the Sioux City Journal. In honor of Jared's Chiefs Victory Lap by Tone DeVos is playing us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, and I'll say Caleb McCullough, because in my defense, that's who I was texting earlier when I missed Jared's question. So at least it was our fellow podcasters that I, that I would let divert in my attention. <laughs> Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, Todd Dorman, and our producers, Bailey Chihon and John McLaughlin, helping us out this week. I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for
4: listening.
2: Can't get enough of the Gazette. Listen to the Gazette Daily News podcast for the latest Eastern Iowa headlines packed into bite-sized stories. Listen at thegazette.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or through your Amazon Alexa device. Tell it to enable the Gazette Daily News skill, then say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing?